The SummerSlam that many people think is the greatest ever. SummerSlam 2002. It's the topic of this podcast today. Kevin, we're both here. We both watched it within the last day. We've got fresh, hot off the press opinions. But before we get to that, WWE did a SmackDown at Madison Square Garden. So plenty to discuss. Kevin, how you doing, pal? I'm great, pal. How are you? Pal. I'm fantastic. I'm excited. There's plenty to discuss in this show today. Oh, yeah. We're on the SummerSlam season, Kevin. We've done with Money in the Bank. We've done our several hour-long shows about how that should be retired and Logan Paul and who should win and whatever. We're now in SummerSlam season, baby. The second biggest season of the year. Let's go. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's talk SmackDown. So we had SmackDown and MSG that featured the Trial of Roman Reigns segment. Now, you love this segment. You absolutely adored it. I think it's one of the best segments you've ever seen in your entire life. Now, all of a sudden, you're a Roman Reigns fan again. It's amazing yeah. how that works. Um, now you're going to have a Roman Reigns shirt on in the next episode. Um, yeah, I can't wait for that. Um, my David Priest shirt didn't come either, speaking of that. But that's not important. So, Roman Reigns, Trial of Roman Reigns. Whatever, what do they call it? The Tribal Trial or something? Uh, it's like the trial of the tribal chief or like the trial of Roman Reigns. It was all that, that was a big tagline we kept hearing from Michael Cole. Yeah, what, what did uh, you think about this segment in full? Uh, I loved it. I, I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. This, this segment, it got the first 40 minutes of SmackDown, Kevin. Keep in mind, this is SmackDown and Madison 40 minutes. Oh, man. 40 minutes. Uh, like, uh, this was nuts. Like, they obviously, they do the, vi- the video package. Here's the Money in the Bank Civil War recap. That was the first, like, couple minutes. Then the Usos come out. Crowd is going off. Like, the crowd was going nuts for the Usos, the MSG. They're singing every word of the theme song, like, just blasting the Usos' theme song. They come out. They, they throw back and forth for, like, two minutes. Paul Heyman comes out with Solo Pal. Paul Heyman, this is one of his all-time performances from Paul Heyman in this segment, Kevin. His facial expressions were legendary. Solo is obviously there. Eventually, Joanna Y, my favorite wrestler pal, Roman Reigns, he comes out. Roman is wearing the, the hot mustard title, as you deemed it about a month ago. And he's wearing the Roman 1000, like one of those shirts. He's just, he's just mad. He comes down. And the one thing, Kevin, we discussed this. I'll get your opinion on this in a second. We discussed this about two weeks ago. It's like, why? The, what makes the bloodline so good? Why is this so good? Roman comes out, Kevin. So this Roman making his entrance. Roman looks mad. Heyman's in the ring looking afraid and scared. Jimmy Uso can't even look at Roman Reigns. He can't make eye contact. Jay Uso is death staring Roman Reigns. And Solo is just like emotionless. So it's like Roman just walking out. All these different intermoving parts are compelling. Like a few storylines have had that. To me, I look at Kevin, big long-term storylines, storylines that go on for years and months, years, big storylines in WWE history. That are similar to this, Kevin. I'm thinking maybe like an Austin McMahon, Austin Corporation sort of thing, and then really this because I mean, there's just there's levels to it, Kevin. But I'll, I'll briefly run over this segment and then get your thoughts. The Exhibit A stuff I thought was hilarious. The way that was edited together, Kevin. It's like you're watching Roman Reigns, Joseph Anawai being an asshole to his whole family. Paul Heyman's like crying. Jay Uso is looking mad. They've got the, the segment where Roman Reigns is backstage and he's like, from like SmackDown two years ago, oh, it doesn't matter which Jimmy, John, you're both the same cares anyway. Like just, this is great content. It's great stuff. And then Roman just starts yelling at the Usos, especially Jay. It's like, the tribal chief didn't call for this. You're wasting my time, Moose. You're wasting my time. And then he's, he's shouting. There's you, and, it's, and the MSG crowd, Kevin, as well. Can I just say, 
phenomenal. They were on for every part of this segment, usually a 40 minute segment. If this was the authority 10 years ago, Kevin, they stop listening five minutes in and switch off. They're sitting on their hands. This, they're engaged right the way through. And Kevin, one more thing I will say if I get your thoughts. One of my favorite lines from Roman Reigns, this was before he took the layoff and he went to his knees and he was sobbing before that part and before the beat up. When Roman Reigns is yelling at Jay Uso, my children are in the back watching. I'll take on the weight of the world and lift them all up. I've got five children. You think I need to take care of yours too? And Roman's like yelling, like giant wise going off. He's mentioning his five kids like over and over, which is just hilarious. So Kevin, I loved it as you can tell by my tone. <laughs> what were your thoughts? How would you rate this segment? Did you enjoy it? Talk to us. Yeah, I mean, it has to be like a segment of the year contender already. You know, there's no way that it's not. Um, I didn't realize that they went 40 minutes. Wow. Like, that's incredible. Um, this was not something I was expecting. I didn't know what they were going to do. I had no idea. And I guess that's the fun about this whole Bloodline stuff. You don't know what's going to happen next, um, in like, on the heels of Money in the Bank. So then they we get this, like, massive segment. And it's really just, like, it was like a hit piece uh, on Roman Reigns, you know, for lack of a better term. And then I love the part where Roman is, like, where he got all upset. He's, like, yelling at them. And he's just, like... This, this is what I do for the family. I, I do all this for you, for your kids. Like, like this, the part that you mentioned. I thought it was fantastic. That, whatever it was, like four or five minutes of Roman talking, that was some of the best mic work you'll ever see. Like, Roman, I, I think, is the best talker. I, I think he's surpassed everybody in the business right now. I, I think he's better than CM Punk. Um, I would love to see those two in a ring together at some point, just having a promo off. I, I don't think, I think the, I think the ego is too fragile. I, I don't know if they could do it. But it would be something. I would love to see it. But yeah, that, that four-minute stretch of just Roman going off, he's like getting all red, and he looks like he's ready to kill Jimmy and Jay. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Absolutely phenomenal stuff. Um, man, I don't know where they're going to go from here. That's the thing. Like, Where do you go now? You, you have this great segment on the heels of Money in the Bank. Now... Like, what do we do now for the next three weeks building up to SummerSlam? We're going to have, like, six-man tags. You know, we're going to have the Usos, like, teaming with whoever, facing Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. The Roman's going to come out, like, standing at ringside. Like, what? You know you know what I'm saying? Like, they went so high with this segment. I- I'm curious to see where they go next. Yeah, no, it's a fair point. And, like, they ended the show with Jay Uso coming out. And then we got another Roman segment to close the show. Roman's, like, he's sitting backstage. There's 15 minutes left on SmackDown. He's going... We're not ending SmackDown MSG with the last visual being whatever. I, I'm coming out. We're doing this segment all over again. Yada, yada. And then Jay Uso just comes down and beats up Sakura and stands holding the hot mustard title. Roman's seething. Either the camera, the last camera shot of the show is Roman Reigns and going to kill someone. It's great stuff. It, it really is great stuff. And like, I think the whole thing, it really elevates everyone involved, which is the main thing with this storyline. Like, you know, I still don't view Jey Uso as someone who can main event a WrestleMania versus Cody Rhodes. He's not on that level. But as far as involving Roman Reigns, this stuff is damn good. This is like main event stuff when it involves Roman. Jey Uso, Jimmy Uso, Sakaa, when it doesn't involve Roman, I'm still, uh, still waste to be seen. Like, once again, if Jey Uso, let's say Jey Uso wins the universal title from Roman Reigns, Jey dethrones him. Are you going to have Jey versus Cody Rhodes main event WrestleMania? No. Like, you can't do that. So, yeah, waste to be seen. But, no, this was an incredible, you know, segment, incredible show-long storyline, Kevin. One thing I will say, which I want your thoughts on, 
you notice how, Kevin, it's MSG SmackDown. This is clearly like WWE's big throw all your entertainment guns at the wall, do as much entertainment as you can. We had in total one hour of the bloodline. Half of this show was Roman Reigns in the bloodline. And I know I talk about how in months past, especially in the month following WrestleMania when Roman wasn't on, it was like, if Roman's not there, why should I care about most of this stuff? Half of this show was Roman Reigns. And the quality, the you felt you, for at least half of it, you couldn't look away. And then the extra 30 minutes was like Grayson Waller and Edge, which is awesome as well. So yeah, WWE hit a home run with the SmackDown. I'm one of the best shows I've seen all year uh, from WWE and wrestling period. Uh, so yeah, Kevin, thoughts on one hour of Roman Reigns on SmackDown, pal? Well, th- this is why you can't have Roman on the show every week. Because then segments like this wouldn't, wouldn't feel special if Roman is on the show. Like, like Roman, you don't need Roman on SmackDown in May. There's no point. You know, yeah, you just water down, you dilute the character. So when he is around, you appreciate it more. So that's really all I got to say about that. Do you want to talk about the, the Grayson Waller and Edge stuff? I would love to. Um, I think we, we did a big bit on this in the Money in the Bank review, so we don't need to go extra long form on this. But I, what I, I do want to say, I said this in the Money in the Bank review, but I've never felt more, I guess, connected, represented by an Australian wrestler. People will say Rhea Ripley, but they don't present her as like an Australian. You watch Grayson Waller, how he's presented. This is an Australian douchebag. This is a guy who's proudly Australian. He brings it up at every, every pillar and post. He'll proudly mention Australia, how Australia is better than whatever town they're in, better than the UK, better than America. He makes funny, like, Australian jabs. He's Australian humor. I've never felt more represented by a wrestler when I watched Grayson Waller. This guy, Grayson Waller, what he did in 30 minutes on SmackDown alone with Edge and had money in the bank against Cena, what he did within five days throws away and destroys two years of what they were trying to do with Theory, Kevin. Grayson Waller is what they wanted Theory to be. And now Theory, I don't know where he sits in WWE. I think he's close to being future endeavored. With like now that Grayson Waller is doing the Theory role perfectly, you've got LA Knight as well. What's Theory's place? Like, why is he here? I, I watched Grayson Waller, and just one example of this segment that is a funny segment, the Grayson Waller effect. And Kevin, I don't know if you saw the Grayson Waller roaming around New York thing. It's just it's hilarious yeah it's hilarious he's gonna be a big star and that guy's gonna be something man yeah and like one example i want to mention when, when you know grayson waller he brings out edge and grayson waller he's such a funny like 2020 is 2023 humor he's he's very like what's next what's happening just shut up edge just, just give us a give us a headline give us an announcement give us something to go viral come on we don't care edge we don't care like literally edge is you know, doing his emotional promo 25 years ago. I came through the crowd here and, you know, I I grew up in Canada and I, we're going to be back on SmackDown in Canada in a few weeks. And, you know, this is pro- probably my kind of last time I'm enjoying my... And Grayson Waller goes, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 okay. Shut it up. We don't care. Give us your announcement. You're retiring. Hey! And he's like doing this big carry-on. And it's funny because, like, this is such a, a 2023 thing. He's, he's being a douchebag, wanting the next big headline. Grayson Waller represents all of the media industry, all of the journalists. He won't want the headline, want something clickbaity. That's just Grayson Waller. It's, it's like a, it's a funny bit. So, no, I loved it, Kevin. His match was really good as well. Grayson Waller and Edge. It was entertaining. Edge put him over, got the win, and said, You swam, kid. And during the whole match, Grayson Waller's like, you know, Swim with the sharks. I'm, just, oh, I'm living the lamb down. Oh, I live with the sharks. And it's like, it's great stuff. So, Kevin, any thoughts on Waller and Edge? Waller, 
Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I think Waller's gonna be a big deal. Um, the segment was funny. I mean, it's it's just good stuff. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I want to see what he's gonna be like in the ring, at, like on the main roster, because we haven't really seen him in a big match on a pay per view, big one on one match that jumps to mind that I remember. So that that's more so like, I think now is what we gotta see. You know, can he go in the ring? Because he clearly has the wit. Uh, he has like a character. You know, he's got like things about him that make you invested and make you interested in him. But at some point, that bell has to ring. You know, can he go in there with Edge and have like a fifteen-minute match with Edge and and hang and show you that he's a main event guy? That that's the question now that he has to answer. And he's he's done arguably he's done the hard part, the hard part of getting over uh, the hardest part is getting over as a character, and getting over with the mic. That's uh, in this day and age in this era of wrestling, that's a lost art in a lot of respects, you know. And, and it's something that L.A. Knight kind of struggles with. L.A. Knight is great on the mic, he's a great character, but he's just not he's just not that guy in the ring, you know. He doesn't have the the skill level in the ring to compete with the guys that are wrestling nowadays. You know, you put LA Knight in 1997, LA Knight's going to do fine. You know, LA Knight's going to be headlining shows left and right. But it's not 1997. So that's more so what I'm curious about when it comes to Grayson Waller. I mean, like, like you, you covered everything there is to say about the segment, so I, I just want to see what he can do in the ring. And one thing as well with this, I'm watching this segment, and I'm thinking, I'll happily watch these Grayson Waller effects for the next, like, 10 years. Like, here's a spot for the next... Decade. Oh no! It's, it's not. It's not a Miz TV. Oh, but the no. Miz just literally just is. He's just like Kofi Kingston. Come out, Kofi. I'm an A-list actor. I'm gonna beat you. I I, I start in the Marine thirteen rounds. It, it's not like the Miz with that. Grayson's actually got humor, wit, funny. He's like a, he's a natural dickhead. Like he plays the the asshole dickhead Australian role and just the 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 brash heel. Is is he a stereotypical Australian? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I'm like that all the time, pal. No, um, he's just exceptional at that role. Um, he's he's great. And one one more thing before we move on to SummerSlam, the the big show, the big point of the podcast. When I look at Grayson Waller, I think in the direction going forward with SmackDown, you mentioned for the next few years him proving main event status. I agree with what you said there, but more short term, I think they're going to have a rematch with Edge. Seems like the SummerSlam match they're going to do, which is dope. I think that's great. But beyond SummerSlam, I think you give the US title to LA Knight. You need to give LA Knight something, not a world title. He's not there yet at all, as you say, with the in-ring stuff especially. But give LA Knight something. Theory's just dead in the water. No one cares about Theory. Quite literally, no one feels anything. So you might as well give it to LA Knight. Then you can do, like, they did this NXT, but do it on SmackDown in front of millions of viewers. LA Knight, Grayson Waller. Three months, US title program, back and forth, entertaining segments. Both guys are really over for as like a heel in the face. So that seems like a logical direction, which I'd like to see. I know most people would like to see that compared to Theory versus Sheamus and Theory versus Ridge Holland every week. No one cares. So there you go. Yeah. All right, pal. Well, do you want to talk uh, SummerSlam 02 now? I would love to, pal. I would love to. We, we've covered the, the kind of current stuff that matters. Now, Kevin. But let's do it. I'm excited for this. I know we both watched the show in the last like day or two. Uh, so I guess I'll start by asking you, what were your just overall like main takeaway, like your your opinions on some Slam or two, pal? So, um, are you asking me based on my rewatch or just in general? 
I mean, however you want to answer it, whether it was what you were, you know, the main feeling you uh-huh. have watching it back, whether just generally what you associate with this show, like general opinions about. But, yeah, I, I just, I can't believe how stacked from top to bottom the card is on this show. It's unbelievable. There's like, I don't know how many number of Hall of Famers, there's at least over 10 Hall of Famers that are involved on this card. And guys that will be in the Hall of Fame at some point, uh, like Goldust and Christian and you know, maybe Landstorm, maybe not, but, you know, other than that, this card is littered with Hall of Famers. Um, it features one of the greatest matches of all time, that, that street fight, the unsanctioned fight, Triple H for Shawn Michaels, an absolutely barn burner of a match. I mean, you got Kurt Angle and Rey Mysterio opening the show. That, that goes to show you how stacked this, uh, this card is. It's absolutely unreal. Uh, I have a lot to say about that opening match, so I, I'll save that for now. But uh, the reason why we're talking about this is because this is like, in my opinion, a Mount Rushmore pay-per-view. You know, this show, um, if WrestleMania 17 was the, the peak and the climax of the Attitude Era, this show, SummerSlam 02, was the, the curtain call or the encore, if you will. Or you could say that WrestleMania 19 was. But either way, this show and WrestleMania 19 were lingering effects of the Attitude Era. You know, this show you had... Triple H and Sean, you know, they're, they're picking up where they left off. Triple H cut a promo burying Shawn Michaels the day after WrestleMania 14, saying that Shawn dropped the ball, he let everyone down, and he was going to take the ball. So naturally, they picked that storyline up four years later. You know, you have The Rock here, one of the faces of the Attitude Era, passing the torch to the, the face of the Ruthless Aggression Era and Brock Lesnar. And then, you know, you've got guys like Jericho and Edge and Kurt Angle, Eddie Guerrero, all these guys that made their names in the Attitude Era. So this was... um. This was a key show in the transition from one era to the next. Um, and it's just, it, it's such a fun watch. It's like four hours long, three and a half, whatever it is. Two hours, 42. It was two hours two and 42 hours, minutes? Two hours and 42. This is going to be my, my first takeaway. I'll throw back to you in a second. I'm watching it. I click SummerSlam Mo 2, two hours, 42 minutes. I'm like, damn. What? I ain't never even I'm noticed just- that. What can we used to show as being seven hours long or over two nights for five hours each? This was two hours, 42 minutes, and I was entertained right the way through. But yeah, back to you. Yeah, this was nine great matches packed in two hours and 42 minutes. Incredible. But yeah, that was, all I, that was pretty much all I had to say. So yeah, kick it to you, pal. Yeah, so we touched on the length there. That was my first thing, the, the length of the show. like It was all kill and no filler. And the element I loved of it was the, the Raw the SmackDown dynamic they were doing because this was pretty fresh into like the brand split. This was you know, a few months after they'd split the shows. You had Stephanie McMahon, you had Eric Bischoff. They do the segment like early on just after the Angle and Mysterio match with them in the like, GM room. They're like, you know, SmackDown's going to be but no Raw's going to be better. Like they sit down to watch it. And the whole theme, Kevin, really for the rest of the night becomes what shows going to outdo each other? And you'd have, okay, here's the Monday Night Raw match and then two Hall of Famers, top 20, top 30 all-time wrestlers would walk out. You have like Jericho and Ric Flair come out. This is the Raw match. We're going to try and outdo SmackDown. Then they do the SmackDown match and Eddie Guerrero and Edge come out. And it's like, oh, okay. And then they do the Raw match again and Triple H and Shawn Michaels. And it's like, then the SmackDown match and The Rock and Brock Lesnar. I'm, I'm watching it like, this is unbelievable. This is a who's who of, the Hall of Fame is all time. This is like you take your top 30, Kevin, all time. And I haven't finished my like top 50 list, which we'll get to in Elite Heat later in the year. But I'd say on this show, you had definitely over 10 like top 25 guys all time on this show. 
like the amount of talent on this show was phenomenal. Commentary and the whole presentation of it was so well done. They said the tickets, Kevin, for this show, the tickets sold out in 90 minutes, which they said on this, which just shows how hot they were at this time, how big wrestling still was. You mentioned that it was like a, an encore, a run it back from WrestleMania 17. In many ways, yes, when the tickets are selling out in 90 minutes, you've got this many Hall of Famers, it's this stacked of a show. WWE nailed this, and I don't know where you want to, I guess we'll start with the opening match with Angle and Ray, and I'll kick to you in a second, but it was just such a well-done show. It was such an easy watch, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a Mount Rushmore pay-per-view. It really is. It's got that all-time top-level match, and it's got a stacked show with quality talent across the board. It's got a theme with the Raw vs. SmackDown, and them trying to outdo each other, and the length was great, and the crowd was involved for pretty much all the show, and it just... So much was done well. This is a textbook wrestling pay-per-view. So, Kevin, with that being said, unless there's anything you, more you want to carry on with what I said there, open it up for us. Your favorite of all time, pal. One of them, Rey Mysterio, Kurt Angle. Talk to us. Yeah, before I talk about Kurt Angle and Rey, I want to say this. So, this show, it has the one legendary match, Sean and Triple H. You know, it's not like a WrestleMania 17 or a 19 that has like two or three or four legendary matches on it. But it has a lot of good matches. You know, the, the second match, the second best match on the show depends who you ask. You know, some people are probably like Kurt Angle and Ray. Some people are probably like RVD versus Benoit. Maybe Edge versus Eddie. But they really don't have, like, that second great match, but it's just so much quality. You know, it's all quality across the board. And all star-making, or future stars, I should say. Not star-making, but future stars. You know, so that, that's something we're going to talk about as we keep going here. But, yeah. Kurt Angle versus Ray. They start the show. I mean, this is incredible. This is one of the best opening matches in pay-per-view history. Let me get my notes here. I think I have something written down about this. Let me see. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is one thing I want to talk about. This is peak Kurt Angle in terms of, like, his physical condition. Kurt Angle was jacked, and he was moving around the best he ever moved. This was it. This was the, this was the peak of Kurt Angle. Oh, three, like, what, six months later, he breaks his neck. So he was never really the same. He was still great, but he was never really the same after that. This right here was peak physical condition of Kurt Angle, peak athleticism. He's at the absolute peak of his powers. Rey Mysterio, I believe this was his debut in WWE. This was his pay-per-view debut. I'm almost positive on that. He never had a pay-per-view match prior to this. And what, a, what an introduction, you know? Kurt Angle, yeah, he was WWF champion. In 1999 and 2000 but this was really this was like a star making performance star making effort because um, he didn't really become a big star to like 03 honestly you know and then Rey Mysterio it's just a glimpse into the future it's like Rey Mysterio's here we don't really know what he's gonna be you know you know that the, the merchandise is gonna sell the mask is gonna sell but you don't know what he's gonna be and then he ends up just becoming a hall of famer an all-time great uh, he was just at the UFC fight last night, got a better a better ovation than like 80% of the UFC roster. He's a certified legend. Uh, I thought this match was fantastic. Everything they did in ring was awesome. This this is a match you could play in 2023. You could put this on TV right now, and it just it fits the time. Way ahead of his time, these two guys, two of the absolute best in-ring technicians to ever do it, and their styles meshed so well. It was a hell of an opening match. Yeah, this match... I've watched it back, and then I look at the, the Wikipedia for, like, the timestamps. I go, that was nine minutes. They crammed 15 to 20 minutes worth of stuff in nine minutes and didn't feel rushed, which is a testament to how great the two performers are. I love that you made that point with Kurt Angle. 
I was thinking the same thing. He, he comes out, I'm like, he is Jack. Like, it was just, it was unbelievable. And there was a bit of a theme with that throughout the show with the physical condition these wrestlers are in. Most of them where you thought, oh my God. Like, I mean, we'll get to some more wrestlers later. But yeah, Angle's Jack. He's in like peak form. He's, as you say, he's in his literal prime from an in-ring just wrestling standpoint. And it's Rey Mysterio, which, I mean, need not say more. And you watch this match and, yeah, pacing was excellent. I, I'm always of the belief you need either a fast match or an action-packed match to open a show. When the energy's up, you need to capitalize and get one that the crowd can really buy into. And this was perfect. The match starts with Rey Mysterio jumping angle from behind and launching onto him. And they get the action underway, which is a theme throughout the show as well. Like, numerous matches started like that, like sporadically, and the action was just going. This was just, you know, once again, all kill and no filler. They, they go back and forth. Angle, you think he's won. Ray, you think he's won. Angle doesn't get thrown off the rope by Ray Mysterio. Angle gets the ankle lock, and they eventually, yeah, they, they get the match done. Angle gets the win. Awesome stuff. Nine minutes flew by. This was one of the quickest nine-minute matches I've ever... I was watching it. I thought they'd be going for three or four minutes. I'm right into it, and the match was over. I was like, that was awesome. So, yeah, great stuff. Unbelievable. Yeah. All right, let's talk Ric Flair and Chris Jericho. Um, this match really, the it's just a fun match. You know, the two guys have good chemistry. Um, it's two legends, really. These are two first ballot Hall of Famers. Chris Jericho's a guy that will be in a Hall of Fame. You know, Chris Jericho's a top twenty guy, top fifteen guy. Ric Flair is top ten, top five all time. One of the all time absolute Mount Rushmore guys in wrestling history. Yeah, he's way past his prime here, obviously, but he still has something left to give, and he still had a fun ten and a half minute match with with Jericho. And this is not like a demotion or anything for Jericho. You know, Jericho was just WWE champion. Now here he is having a match with Ric Flair. Not a demotion at all. You know, there's not, not too much of a storyline here. Don't really remember what the story was. They just beat each other up. Like Jericho was performing with his band and Flair beat him up and, you know, basic stuff like that. Um, I, I just thought the match was fun. What, what did you think about it? Yeah, I'm on the same boat. And as I mentioned a bit earlier, this was like the first raw match so the first one was a smackdown match with angle and Ray. this is a raw match we'd seen the backstage with eric and bischoff and stephanie and then then this match happens and it's like as i mentioned oh you know that was smackdown that's a good start but raw can outdo you and then chris jericho as you say an all-time top 15 top 20 guy and rick flair an all-time mount rushmore guy who many consider the greatest ever just stroll out second on the show incredible right just nuts and yeah 10 minute match you described perfectly. It was a fun match. It wasn't the greatest match of this generation. It wasn't bad by any means. It was just a good, entertaining, fun match. I love the use of the figure four where Jericho locks in the figure four flags. It's his own move. He knows his move by the back of his hand. He's screaming. He's howling in pain. He then like grabs the rope and he's like profusely tapping out. And the referee is just like, never mind. It's fine. Jericho, Jericho, get off him. And Jericho's like, he tapped. He tapped. And then Flair just wins. And it was just like, that was just great. It was great stuff. So, no, awesome match. That was 10 minutes. That, that as well, I th- like I watched it. I'm like, that, I thought that was 20. And not because it dragged, but because they, they jam a bunch of good stuff in. And then you go, oh, that, that's over already? It was only 10 minutes? Like the flow of this show, once again, seamless. And yeah, the, the status of the two guys, just two absolute legends. So, now this show already, Kevin, we've had a, an awesome, one of the great pay-per-view openers. And Ric Flair and Chris Jericho in a good match. And we're only 25, 30 minutes in, and it's just phenomenal. Yeah, we've already seen four of like the top 30 wrestlers of all time out, out here in the first two matches on the show. It's incredible. And then we got you know two more top 30 all-time guys. 
Edge and Eddie Guerrero. Uh, this was not their best match that they had in, in this uh, this series. They had like a, a ladder match. And I believe it was a ladder match on SmackDown. Uh, that was significantly better. But this match here was really good. Um, you know, you have Edge. This is before he's a rated R superstar. You got Eddie Guerrero before he's really at the apex of what he would become from a character. This is before the light cheating and stealing Eddie Guerrero. Um, one thing I noted was that Taz made mention of Eddie Guerrero drinking tequila. I thought that was funny. Like, you just don't see funny stuff like that around anymore, you know? Um, this match was good. I mean, this was probably the second best match on the show, I would say. These two guys killed it. Great chemistry. Um, just uh, unlike it. Unlike anything you'll ever see, you know? But watching Prime Edge and Prime Eddie, it, it just it doesn't get any better than that. You know, it, it gives me a nostalgic feeling from my childhood. Um, and it's just like, again, this is what I was saying earlier. This is two guys that would go on to be main eventers and would go on to be cornerstones of the Ruthless Aggression era. And they just weren't there yet. You know, they were about two years away. Eddie was two years away. Edge was three years away from hitting his app for hitting their absolute peaks. And we just got him here in the middle of the show. Uh, and, you know, it, it could have turned out differently. Edge and Eddie could have floundered for the rest of their careers. And this could have been looked at as just, oh, a random mid-card match. But because of who they became, you look back at this and you're like, this is two all-time greats here. Just having a random match on a pay-per-view and it's awesome. Well, yeah, you made the point I was going to make with that. that. At the time, yeah, this is just two mid-carders who are super talented and good what they do. But it's two mid-carders in 2002. But then you watch it back, we watch it back now 21 years later, and just knowing what we know now, where this is, I mean, we'll do an all-time rankings list, but I'd say this is, once again, de- objectively two top 40 guys, probably top 30 each, realistically. So, yeah, just two legends. And you're watching them, they have their match, I think it was, what, 11, 12 minutes-ish? 12 minutes, yeah. Yeah, good flow to it, enjoyable match. Yeah, the commentary was good as well. And I will shout out commentary generally. Taz, Cole for SmackDown, JR and Lawler for Raw. Both did a great job throughout the night. As I'll get to JR later, especially in the unsanctioned match. But holistically, commentary was great. Crowd was into this. Crowd was into most of the show. Uh, just generally, yeah. Like the back and forth exchanges these, ha- these two have. Like you watch it and go, as we're alluding to, these are just great wrestlers. Like these guys are just, they're, they're, they're so, and this was a thing throughout the show. Because of the talent they have, these are guys and wrestlers who know wrestling. They know the art of wrestling like the back of their hand. They know storytelling. They know psychology. They're not 2020s wrestlers who will just do an acrobatic move just for the sake of, a, oh, wow, for no reason. Like these two guys, that they get like the psychology sort of thing of it. And you have to watch the match to tell. Like they don't, they don't do wasted moves, if that makes sense. It's a bit hard to explain. But if you watch the match, you go, there's a reason behind why he's doing that. Eddie isn't just running the top rope and doing a 720 flip that could end his career for no reason. Like, they're doing moves that make sense. So, yeah, no, another, another good match. This wasn't, like, an incredible five-star, but, yeah, I think it's fair you say it's the second best match of the night or this is the third best match of the night, personally. But, yeah, good stuff once again. There you go. Yeah, then we had a couple of backstage segments, like, thrown in here with Stephanie and Bischoff. Like, there was one segment. I'm not sure which matches came after, but there was one segment where, like, where Bischoff's like teasing Stephanie about like her being on top of him and I'm just like oh this is so cringe bro so cringe like I mean Bischoff was great Bischoff was great in his role of uh, Stephanie saying that women yeah that's what it was Stephanie said that women belong on top and then you know Bischoff's like I have no problem with that and I'm just like oh my god this is like this is 
Paul Levesque's wife in here flirting with Eric Bischoff live on camera, pal. Unreal. Um, but nah, so then we get the Un-Americans. Um, Christian and Lance Storm versus Booker T and Goldust. We got a promo from Christian and Lance Storm. And you could tell that these guys, they weren't really into the gimmick. You could just tell. They, they didn't really buy into what they were doing. They're, they're supposed to be like Canadians that hate like Ameri- like United States. They hate the United States. And I don't know. It was just didn't work. It could have been good. Like I was looking at this and I was like, man, this really could have been something good. If these three guys have really bought into the gimmick. But they, they just didn't for whatever reason. Um, and then, yeah, so they had the match. It was like a 10-minute match. I love this. I love this tag team match. I love the the old school like nineteen eighties like heel stuff they were doing with like Nick Patrick, the referee, is like he you know, he's he's uh he's focusing on Booker T, like Booker T gently climbs, puts half his body through the ropes, and Nick Patrick's like yelling at him for seven minutes while while the heels are just going to town on Goldust. Goldust looks like he's about to cry. Uh, it was just classic textbook one oh one, like mid south, like you know, Atlanta, Georgia, from the 1980s, like that style of wrestling, and, and I, I, I have an appreciation for that. It, it was good. I thought it was good. You know, they get the hot tag with Booker T. He's going crazy, flying around. He's punching Christian and Landstorm. Then out comes Tess. Tess hits the big boot. Get the the booze. Like it was, it was fun. I thought it was a really fun ode to like old school mid south, like down south wrestling. I, I liked it. Yeah, it was a bit over the top at points, which made it funny. Yeah, that's what made it entertaining. Like, like this is gold dust. This like six foot six man with face paint and like a body suit, who's getting punched and all these heel tactics, cheating with like eight minutes. You got these un-American guys who, as you said, they weren't fully. It, it was a bit of a weird dynamic, Kevin. It, it really was. You got these guys who aren't fully invested in the anti-America thing. If they were facing two proud like American patriots, like they were facing, say Benjamin and Charlie ha- like Haas from you know a year later or something like that, that would have been something that would have probably fit it more. But you know, it, it's yeah, Booker T and then Goldust. This yeah, that six foot six dude running face paint and the the body suit and they're beating him up and Booker T will he'll barely he'll put his arm over the rope and the referee will run over hey hey. And then I was watching it, I think that has to be racial. Like, that's just something about that. This is Booker T, but no, nah, fun match, fun match. It was, it, was, yeah. it was enjoyable. It was funny. And, uh, you know, those antics with it, the, that heel stuff is so great. The, as you say, Mid-South, 70s, 80s, Nutbush, Atlantic, Smoky Dome wrestling, like, great stuff. Yeah, Jim Cornette booked that match, pal. All right, let, let's talk about this one. Um, I don't know how long you want to spend on this match. The Intercontinental title match. RVD versus Chris Benoit. RVD won the IC title. Uh, I'm not going to lie, watching this, it kind of brings you down. Just hearing Benoit's music, seeing him out there, kind of brought me down. It was just like, oh, man, this is... Uh, it just I, I instantly thought back to that point that I made on my video where I was like, oh, w, this is why WWE doesn't show you WrestleMania 17, WrestleMania 19, SummerSlam 02 on like ESPN and other mainstream forums. Because in the middle of the show, you got Benoit out there. And it just it just does ruin the the demeanor. It ruins the the vibe. You know, it's, it's something I can't really explain. But I don't know if you felt that as well. But as soon as Benoit's music hits, I was I just went down. I was just like, oh, this is no, no it's no fun now. You know. No, I know what you mean. And like, especially watching shows back from the two thousands, I always try and ignore that. But it's like this. It's just this, you just have that feeling with you. Like, oh, this is Benoit. 
this is the guy who did you know x y and z horrible things in 2007 and ended people's lives just innocent people and like you watch it and go yeah this is a 16 minute 30 second match the second longest match of the night it was just yeah i was sitting there watching it i mean it was a good match it wasn't bad yeah it's good yeah yeah i mean rvd versus benoit in 2002 it's not going to be bad but it was you know it's just that i like that you mentioned that as well yeah it's just this feeling of it's the benoit match and you know the show is going along we've just seen yeah angle rain mysterio awesome opener we've seen flair and jericho fighting because Ric Flair knocked over some Fozzie equipment. Like they have, they have their match. We see Stephanie and Bischoff backstage with the on top segments. You see the, you know, the Edge and Eddie match, the Un-Americans match with the funny tag team stuff. The, the show is going along like an hour in, Kevin. The, I'm having a blast watching this. And then, you know, you bring Benoit out and you just go, you get an eerie sort of, oh, I don't like this. Like it's just this feeling. So yeah, um, good match. RVD got the win. So we had new Intercontinental Champion. That was like a good moment for RVD. Um, I liked how they made it seem like a big deal. Commentary put it over really well. RVD had his moment. Benoit took the L, um, lost the IC title, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it's not really much, much more to say. Uh, so then we had The Undertaker versus Test. This is the one match on the show that's like, uh, which one is not like the other? Mm. You know, I understand what they were doing. I get it. Uh, Undertaker, I mean, he, he's just that guy, I guess, that Vince is like, oh, pal, we want to get this new guy over. Get him in there. Put him in there with Mark. It's just like he's the scapegoat. He's the guy that's challenged with getting over guys that just. I don't. You know, disrespect to test, but he wasn't that great. You know, he was good. He was a solid, solid wrestler, solid worker. You know, he had the look, but he didn't have that it factor. On test, I want to ask you this question. This is obviously two thousand and two. They are stacked at this time. The roster is incredible. Hall of Famers everywhere you look. Test felt out of place then do you think test if he's in 2022 2023 do you think a guy like that would have more success or do you think no matter what era he's just sort of there he's sort of there no i don't think he would have had it he just didn't have it on the mic you know he didn't have it on the mic he didn't have that it factor to him he just kind of looked like another guy like he was just taller than everybody but he looked like another guy you know he didn't really look super impressive like a big show or like an omas or somebody like that and then he wasn't as jacked and as physically impressive as like a Brock Lesnar, you know. So and then he obviously didn't have the mic skills of any of the all-time greats that we've seen. So he he you know he was just he was solid. He was average, you know. And I think he would have been average in any era. Maybe you put him in the seventies when everybody's like smaller, you know. Maybe he'd be a big deal in the seventies. But I, I I don't think he would have done well in this era either. Um, yeah. To this match, it was like eight minutes long. Uh, anything? Any takeaways from this match for you? Oh, I was bored watching it. This Me match too. felt this match felt like twenty minutes. Like this eight minutes felt like twenty. Where you know, and not in the not in the way the opening couple matches did, where it like flew by. This felt like it went for ages. But by this point, Kevin, I'm watching it for like an hour and twenty something minutes in. I'm thinking, can we just get to Triple H and Sean? Like, because I know that's coming up. That's an all time fight. Can we just get to that match? This match was just sort of there, as you say. Vince McMahon tasked Main Mark with the task of getting over Test. He tried. Undertaker did his thing. Undertaker, as he's always has been, he can wrestle any situation, any guy. He's just that good. But I wasn't into this. But sounds like you won't either. Most people who watch this from the feedback you see online and reviews from this show and everything since, this was the low point. Like every one of these great shows has a sort of average or sort of low point. WrestleMania 17 has China Ivory. Money in the Bank 2011 has the women's match and Mark Henry Big Show. Like 
this show, some same O2 had this, which it wasn't bad, bad. It was just boring. It was just meh. Yeah, it's funny how Undertaker gets tasked with like the low points of all time great pay per views. Like WrestleMania 19, the big stain on that show, aside from Triple H pedigreeing Booker T and taking 27 and a half minutes to pin him, the other low point is Undertaker being involved with A Train and Big Show. Like, I don't know what, like, like what's up with Undertaker? Like, we can't get Undertaker like a legitimate opponent, you know? I, I, I don't get it. But nevertheless. One more, one more thing about Undertaker before we move on. Like, I think back on this time period, this, like, 2002, early 2003 time period, obviously, as you say, he's tasked with that thing at WrestleMania 19, wrestling a one-on-two handicap match against A-Train, a.k.a. Lord Tensai, or the hairy back, and Paul White, with the Nathan Jones thing. That was the WrestleMania 19 stain we've discussed at length. And then there was this at SummerSlam 02. Yes, he was involved in the, the, the Triple Threat of Vengeance, I believe. Yeah. Which was, like, excellent. But, yeah, he was just sort of all over the place this time. The Undertaker, he's... Feuding with Brock and like a legendary feud two months later. But here he's with Tess and like a filler SummerSlam Who Cares match. A month prior, he's in this legendary vengeance match. Six months later, he's wrestling in this one on two handicap thing where Nathan Jones is getting assaulted in the bathroom at WrestleMania 19 in Safeco Field. And it's like Undertaker's all over the place. And then you have like the draft a couple months before this. And Undertaker, I, mean, he got, I forget the exact storyline, but that, that shot of the Undertaker, he puts the sunnies down and they, they pan to Undertaker at the back of the room. He's like, you know, he's like, Undertaker's looking all mad. I don't know. Point is, Kevin, Undertaker all over the place this time of, you know, his career and, yeah, whatever. There you go. There, you go. there it is, pal. All right, so now we get to it. Triple H versus Shawn Michaels, an all-time great match. In my mind, it's a top 10 match of all time in wrestling history. It's one of my favorite matches. I can go back and watch this anytime. This is one of those matches that I've seen uh, more than 10, 15 times in my life. Every time I watch it, I'm just amazed by it. Um, for one, Shawn Michaels was off for four years with a severe back injury. This is his first big-time match back. You know, he, I know he wrestled in the Indies in like 2000. He had a couple of matches, whatever. But this is his first WWE match back in four years. And he puts on an all-time great classic match with Triple H. The storytelling was fantastic. This is a masterclass of in-ring storytelling. With Shawn Michaels' back, the way like Triple H is working the back, the way Shawn's like, crying, reaching out to the fans for help. You got JR on commentary. This is peak Jim Ross. Just, like, he's, like, he's calling Triple H a son of a bitch. You know, stop going after his back, damn it. And he's just like, like Shawn, you don't have to do this, Shawn. You're an all-time great, Shawn. You don't have to do this. It's so good. So great. Um, everything about this match is top to bottom, from the bell to bell. One of the best matches you could ever see. If you're trying to be a wrestler, if you, you should watch this match, like study it. You know, these are two of the top ten wrestlers ever doing what they do best. Um, and it was fantastic. I mean, what 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 is there? What more is there to say about this? It was so great. I've got a bit more to praise about it. First of all, the video package before the match. This is one it's of the good. top five greatest yeah. pre-match videos ever. The, and it, you have to watch it, but is the feeling you get during it, it was such like an attitude era, ruthless aggression, sort of, they got that like awesome song going in the background, I will fight till there's nothing, like that one. So yeah, you got Shawn Michaels is like incensed, Triple H is this just madman asshole, had to kill his best friend or his former best friend and you know end his career, put him in a wheelchair, take him out, it's, there's like three, four minute video packages are showing when Triple H mystery attacks Sean from behind and they do the thing where 
Who was it? Who attacked Sean? Who left Sean laying in a pool of blood with the, next to the car? And then the camera zooms in and it was, it was Triple H. And Triple H's like, I did it for your own good, Sean. And Sean's like looking in style. It's just awesome that the guys come out. Sean, just his entrance is just one. Of the, this wasn't even one of like the great spectacle Sean entrances. He wasn't ballooning down from the rafters. He wasn't ascending or descending down from heaven like the WrestleMania 25. But it's just Sean's music and his entrance. It's a big deal. And then Triple H comes out. I mean, Triple H has been jacked his whole career. But this Triple H, his physique here, I'm like, look, Sean, he's a natural athlete. Paul Levesque, a bit enhanced, but it was still going to go somewhere. Can I say one thing? I have to make yeah. I have to make this point. I have to. <laughs> All right, so this show, let's see. Let's let me look at the date of this show so I can get yeah. this exactly accurate, pal. So this show took place on August 25th. 2002, we had Triple H versus Shawn Michaels in an all-time great classic. Vincent Kennedy McMahon blesses us with that. I know you know where I'm going with this. Less than eight weeks later, Triple H is in a coffin having sex with a mannequin. It is unbelievable. Listen to what I'm saying. Triple H is having sex with a mannequin in a coffin less than eight weeks after this match. Like, what? Are you kidding me? Are, are you kidding me? Now, this, this is why I was thinking this. Alright, I was thinking this. Well, as I'm watching this. I was like, this is why WWE needs an offseason. SummerSlam should be the end. Come back. Take two months off. Come back for Survivor Series. You know? That, that's the end of the season right there. Because then you get stupid segments in October... On October 21st, 2002... Triple H in a mannequin with a dead body, or Triple H in a coffin with a dead body, you know, because Vince McMahon, Bruce Prichard, and Brian Gowers think that's funny while they're drinking rum shots at, at a local bar, talking about what they're gonna do on Raw in the next couple of weeks. Like, how do you go from this all-time great match to that Katie Vick segment and that Katie Vick storyline? It, it's unbelievable. Like, no wonder why the the interest in the product just dipped completely going into two thousand three. You know? Kevin, Kevin, look at Triple H's 2002. He returns, a legendary moment, the first week of 2002, one of the all-time great returns, wins the Royal Rumble, main events WrestleMania 18, wins the titles. He, he's having matches with like Hulk Hogan and like the all-time greats in the middle of the year. Has this against Shawn Michaels, one of the 10 greatest matches ever. Just an incredible all-time match. The thing at Survivor Series... They do the, the Elimination Chamber match. It's like the big world title thing. Triple H is the star of that. A legendary 2002. And then you pinpoint October with Katie Vick, where Triple H is mounting a, a corpse, performing necrophilia as Vincent Kennedy McMahon is screaming, barking at him as a, uh, as a dying, or dying, not dying, dead someone is next door being laid to rest. Just put, it's, put this into perspective, Kevin. As great as you can have a year, Triple H's 2002 minus Katie Vick is like one of the best years you can possibly have as a pro wrestler. And even that, there was Katie Vick. There was that Kane storyline. So with that said, Kevin, we can just move on from that. We don't need to mention Katie Vick. That's a stain on Triple H. Let's just move on. This match, Kevin, unsanctioned. I love how the, 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 the flow, the story, it was so well done. Obviously, Shawn Michaels, it's his first match back. Common sense, logic. He's got a, like a sore back, injured back. That's just the storyline. That's what happened. 
he's going to try and win the match early. So the first five minutes, he's all out attack trying to win the match because he knows that's going to be his best chance. Everything after that, he's in he's in over his head. Triple H is going to probably have the better of him and probably win. So Sean goes to the kill early. He's flying around. He's going for super He's switching music. He's diving. He's hitting moves. He's, he's going all out of Triple H. And Triple H, he, he didn't lose. And then all of a sudden, Kevin, the tide turns and it becomes 10 to 15 minutes of some of the best working a body part we've ever seen in wrestling. Sean's back. They did like a, a simple, Kevin, picturesque backbreaker. This is a picturesque backbreaker move. The way Sean sells it, like he, he's been shot. He's on the ground. He's screaming in pain. Jim Ross is like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, he's, he's, you know, he's in me in a wheelchair. And he's just, he's carrying on. And Kevin, the part I love most, I, I've replayed this part about 10 to 15 times. I loved it that much. Shawn Michaels, he's, you know, he's, they've done the, the chair spot. He's starting to bleed a bit. He, he's taking like 15, 20 seconds to get himself up. He's in the corner. Like, I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. He's helping himself up. He's weary. He's selling it. The camera's showing Triple H. He can't find anything that's under the ring. He's like doing a lap of the ring. He can't find whatever he's looking for. And then all of a sudden, so we've seen 20 seconds, basically, of Shawn Michaels in pain. His back's hurt. Camera cuts to Triple H. Paul Levesque, the chief content officer of WWE. He's got a sledgehammer. He's, got, he's just this incensed, jacked, enhanced athlete. He's got his like, sledgehammer. And Jim Ross, one of the great lines, goes, oh, my God. Like, the way he says that. The juxtap- you got Shawn Michaels re- like in pain. He's he's in anguish. He's like ah ah my back eyes. Ah, he can't get he can't get up. And they cut to Triple H and just with the sledgehammer. Oh my god! Like Jim Ross was just in his absolute bag here. The beat up carries on, Kevin. As you allude to, it's, it's this massive beat up of the back. Shawn's selling is some of the all time great selling here. Triple H. He's getting booed by the whole building. Jim Ross is yelling. He's giving me a wheelchair. Damn it! Put an end to this. I love Earl Hebner just going off at Triple H. Earl's just like, enough! And he's just yelling at him. And Paul Levesque, who two months later was humping a, like a, a bit of, you know, doing, performing necrophilia in a coffin. Paul Levesque's getting yelled at by this referee who's half his size. And he's just like, I'm doing nothing wrong. I didn't touch him. It's great stuff. What a great man. Stuff. Kevin, what a legend. Kevin, Ask you just, you know, I mean, thoughts on the rest of the match, thoughts on the ending, just incredible. The ending was fantastic. I love how Sean barely won, looked exhausted. And, you know, like, we, we think we're going to get a show of respect, maybe, between the two. But nah, Triple H just beats him up with a sledgehammer. It was such a, a fake-looking spot. I hate to use that word. It was really, like, one of those one of those spots where it's like, eh, you know, you're kind of telling us that it's bullshit, like, with the sledgehammer and it breaking and all that. I was like, eh, okay, cool. But... It accomplished what it needed to accomplish because Sean, as you said, is crying and reaching to the heavens, praying to God. You know, he's got the the, the Philippians 4.13 shirt when he comes out. He's a born-again Christian. He's a new man. You know, gone are the days of him fornicating people's wives in the locker room as Kevin Nash and Scott Hall are bodyguards. You know, he's he's a changed man, married with children. You know, he's he's living his life, pal. And, uh, and now Triple H is here to kick him while he's down, you know. And it was great. Yeah, it was great. Just great stuff. Sean goes on to win the world championship in, in November at Survivor Series. Good stuff. Um, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I'm ready to talk the main event. Yes. So I you know, first thing, the segment between the unsanctioned match and the main event, they cut to Howard Finkel in the ring. Kevin, we were oh, just saying one of the all-time geez. great matches. The, the bloodbath, Triple H, 
Sean, they were bleeding, emotional, Jim Ross screaming, oh my God, like all this for 30 minutes, 40 minutes. They cut to Howard Finkel saying, this is the first time I've been in this arena in 30 years. Trish Stratus comes out and they've been doing segments on Raw and Trish goes, you know, Howard, I actually do, I think you're, I like your sexy voice, Howard. And Howard's like, well, thank you, Trish. And then the segment goes off the deep end when all of a sudden that they hug. I'm like, what am I watching here? What's going on? Wait, like, wait, Trish here's Howard. the all-timer line between the two. Yeah. So Trish says something about Howard being a dog, you know, or whatever. And Howard's like, well, you've got the puppies and I've got the wiener. And I was just like, bro, what is this, bro? Like, th- this is this is a uh, an absolutely gorgeous fitness model in here with this old wrinkly man who is a ring announcer for WWE. And I'm just like, why? Like, why is this on the show? You know, it didn't do anything for anyone involved. I didn't need to see Howard Finkel doing segments. It was so cringe. But yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Well, no, I was just gonna say, and like you mentioned that line, that like that, that massive WTF line. But yeah, it's just like, you've got the puppies, and I've got a wiener. And then they cut, and Jim Ross goes, I'm going to vomit. Like, it was just like, the timing of Jim Ross was perfect. Fantastic. Like, I've got a wiener, and Jim Ross just right away, and his great Jim Ross, oh, I'm going to vomit. Like, it was just, it was so well done. It was so well done. But yeah, that was the only good part of that segment, Jim Ross saying, I'm going to be sick, I'm going to throw up. Outside of that, the rest of this was just why William Garcia, like, kicks you know, Howard Fengel slaps him, Howard's on the ground holding his nuts, and then that was that. And it's like, okay, main event time. Fantastic, yeah. Main event, let's get it. Yeah, that buffer segment, I guess that was a good way for people to get popcorn, whatever. Uh, so we got Brock Lesnar versus The Rock for the Undisputed Championship. Brock Lesnar literally debuted four months prior to this, which is absolutely just bananas to me. He debuted in WWE the night after WrestleMania 18. Uh, he beat up the Hardys, you know, he's beating up RVDs, beating up whoever, your godmother, your cousin, the guy in the front row. He's beating up everybody. And then four months later, he's undisputed champion. Now, I have a bone to pick with this match, first and foremost. I hate the crowd reaction for this match. I absolutely hate it. It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. It makes me hate wrestling fans. You know, it, it, it's really just asinine. Like, you, you're booing The Rock. You're chanting that he's a sellout. You know, you're saying he sucks. You're cheering for Brock Lesnar. You know, this was the birth. Like, this match, I think, was the birth of the the smart crowds. And then this carried into 04, WrestleMania 20, the Brock Goldberg thing. And then eventually, you know, we get the hijacking of of Raw with the Yes movement, CM Punk stuff. You know, we got the one-night stand, that crowd. This was like the birth of it right here, this match. It was these people that are showing you, oh, we're smart. We we read the news. We read the sheets. We know that Dwayne is going back to Hollywood, you know? And, and I get it. You're upset that The Rock is leaving, right? I understand. And this is a problem with New York fans all across the board. In, in all sports, wrestling, everything. New York fans are like this, you know? Why why are you booing a guy who is one of the absolute all-time greats? For no, like, you're booing him for no reason. And you're cheering Brock Lesnar. You're doing it to be assholes. You're doing it to, to try to get on, on the show, trying to be 
make a name for yourselves, whatever you're trying to do, trying to be edgy. And it just, it ruined the dynamic of this entire match. Because, you know, Brock Lesnar is supposed to be this heel that is conquering this all-time great, this babyface legend in The Rock. And you're, you're cheering him. Like, why? Why are you cheering? What did Brock Lesnar do to make you cheer him? What has he done leading up to this, to this show? He, he beat all your favorites. He beat up everybody that you put in his path. He's injuring people. He's going crazy. It, I don't It just doesn't make sense to me. You know, it, that's, that, that was my thing, my little tangent. Go ahead. No, I fully agree with what you said. Uh, it, it did kill the, not kill the flags. I mean, the match was still good. It was still an entertaining in-ring match. But the dynamic of the crowd taking into their own hands and being like, hey, we know Dwayne's leaving. <laughs> Boo! You're a sellout. Yeah. Brock, Brock. It's like, okay. So, yeah, that, that did kind of ruin it. And I guess when you put it that way, yeah, that as well as the WrestleMania 18 thing unintentionally with Brock and Hogan, it's like a kind of a foreshadow of like when the crowd reacts the wrong, the wrong way, things don't go to plan long term. It changes everything up. It throws the wrestling world out, I guess. But yeah, no, the match was good. Brock, the, the real main thing here is that, yeah, Brock had his crowning moment. It was 12 to 15 minutes of them wrestling. And then you, the whole time you're thinking, and obviously we know the result now, but you're watching back going, okay, Brock's clearly going to win. It's, they're clearly having Rock just put him over. Rock did a good job here. And one thing with Rock, I don't know how old he was at this stage. Maybe he was like early, like just early 30s, I think. 30-ish, 31. Yeah, 30s. he's like 30, yeah. Which is so young. Like, you look nowadays, all the guys coming in are like who are going to be main event is like 40. Like, Damian Priest is like 41. Grayson Waller is 33. I, I, when did wrestlers get so old? What's going on? But nonetheless, Kevin, I look at, yeah, this match. And, yeah, Rock's just so – he's so athletically supreme. And similar to Kurt Angle. Like, this is Rock basically in his prime. It's like 30-year-old Dwayne Johnson. He's had a few years of honing his craft, working the main event. And he just, he just gets everything. When it comes to wrestling, Brock, he's the the sort of, I mean, to use a AW Tony Khan expression, he's the shiny new toy. Brock Lesnar, he's this like crafted out of granite, Greek god-looking, just phenom specimen who's just going to take the wrestling world by storm. And honestly, you're watching this version of Brock back and you think, has there ever been an athlete as just impressive, as jacked as this Brock Lesnar? Like, Kevin, watch his entrance. I mean, I mean you did, obviously, because we did this review, but... You watch Brock come out and you're just like, excuse me? Like, you know, as a as a, a gym goer myself, or you know, just generally someone who's in, into fitness, you look at that and go, like you're in shock, you know, and it's because it's it's like muscles on top of muscles on top of muscles. It, it like this Brock Lesnar, it just it blows my mind, just the, the aesthetic, the shape he's in, how athletically brilliant he was. He gets the win here, the next big thing arrives, Kevin. I'll get your opinion. Um, what were your thoughts? I guess, I mean, you touched on the crowd and the main event. Just how the show ended, how they went off the air, the finish, Brock being crowned. What did you think? Um, I, thought it was, I thought it was good. I thought it was a great, worthy headlining match of a show of this caliber. Now, I don't think the match lived up to what these two can do. You know, this was definitely not the best of The Rock and the best of Brock. These guys have had far better matches, um, and I think they could do something together. Maybe not now, but I think they could have, like, when Brock came back in, like, 2012, 13, 14. They could have had a match, and they could have outdid this, I think. Um, I think that's fair to say. Or if, like, Rock had stayed around, they could have ran this back, and they could have had a better match. Absolutely 
No doubt. No doubt in my mind. Um, with that being said, though, it was still 16 minutes of a solid match. Um, Brock was clearly, you know, he's clearly being carried by, by Rock. Rock is clearly carrying him. You can see Brock is still not green, but he's just inexperienced. You know, this is really his first big match in the company. I mean, he had matches, of course. He had pay-per-view matches, but this is his biggest match. He's wrestling the biggest guy in the world, the best wrestler in the world, the biggest superstar, the most well-known guy. And it's an insurmountable amount of pressure. Couldn't even imagine it. Um, for me, watching the ending, it felt almost flat just because like, I'm used to the way that they, they do endings now where they end a pay-per-view with drawn-out celebrations. You know, like If this happened in 2023, you'd have Paul Heyman crying like on his knees, handing Brock the belt... You know, Brock would be walking around yelling at people in the front row, you know, that they would get like you'd get a cut to the rock, the rock would be crying, just like then you'd have Michael Cole, like, what is what is Dwayne doing next? Oh, when are we gonna see the rock again? Is this the end of the rock? Like we just didn't get a lot of that glitz and glamour. It was just like, okay, here's your belt, Brock. Alright, thank you for coming. Great show. Shout out to Long Island. Thank you everybody for watching. Good night. So that it was just from that standpoint, it was like, oh wow, okay, it's over. Alright, Brock won. He gets the belt? Cool. Simple. One, two, three. Wash our hands with it. Um, yeah, I thought it was a simple ending. Effective. Uh, phenomenal torch pat tor yeah, phenomenal passing of the torch moment. Um, for Rock here, like I said, uh, at the top of the show. This is the face of the Attitude Era. One of the faces of the Attitude Era. Passing the torch to the face of the Ruthless Aggression Era. You, know, you, you can't really ask for much more than that. It's a storybook, textbook way to build the next superstar. That, that that's what it accomplished the match didn't have to be good but it accomplished making brock a legend no nah, beautifully said and one thing i want to touch on as well not unrelated because this is literally two weeks before some same mode too but kevin can you believe just this sentence wwe did hulk hogan versus brock lesnar on a smackdown in august 2002 hogan versus lesnar happened on smackdown kevin like, what? <laughs> you know? Like, what? I don't know. It's just, yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, this is Brock Lesnar. Yeah. You know, just said everything so well. I don't know really what more I can add on that. You know, at the end of the show, if this was, as you say, in 2023, you'd have this drama. The Rock would, they'd cut the camera to Rock, and he'd, he'd slowly get up, and he'd, he'd hobble his way over to Brock, and he'd, he'd tease a handshake. Then he'd, he wouldn't shake his hand, and he'd walk away, and you think, oh, my God, The Rock's going to, what's happened to The Rock? Oh, my God. Then they'd show Heyman. Heyman's, like, freaking out. Oh, my God. Rock's, like, still bouncing around with the title, and that's how they'd end the show. But, yeah, they just kind of ended it, which was a bit, eh. But regardless. Yeah, can we yeah. talk about that? I want to bring up, I'm sorry, let me cut you off, but that, that Brock and Hogan thing on SmackDown, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just thinking about that segment when Undertaker's dragging Hulk Hogan. Like, have you seen that? When he, like, when he ties Hogan up on a rope, and he's, like, riding his motorcycle dragging hogan through the back it's so funny but yeah no that's crazy like we just casually got so many matches like in 2002 just so many matches on smackdown and raw you know undertaker jeff hardy iconic ladder match you know like you said brock hogan there's so many of these matches laying around like edge and eddie had an all-time hogan happened on like a smackdown yeah and it's like sorry yeah edge and eddie had an all-time great match like in in the in a throwaway segment on smackdown you know, it was like an afterthought segment. That's just how stacked the O2 roster was. It was nuts. It's phenomenal. But yeah, I guess, Kevin, one more thing with SummerSlam 02. I guess, do you want to give 
an overall either rating out of 10, a letter score, just like an overall on the show because we we talked about it now for yeah. 45 minutes. What do you think? What's your overall? This show's an A+. Plus, uh, 10 out of 10. And... So, no, I, I thought it was like an A, 9, 9.5 out of 10. I just think, you know, a couple of things, the, the Trish Stratus, Howard Finkel segment, Undertaker test, that sort of stops it from being what would have been like the perfect sort of show and the crowd during the main event. Those things are sort of why it's not a 10 out of 10 to me. But a lot of excellent stuff, particularly um, Triple H and Sean. But yeah, my God, that, that segment was so weird with Trish and Howard Finkel. I, just, I, I was just watching that going, this is creepy. Like, what, why are we watching this? And thank God for Jim. If Jim Ross, if that was like Michael Cole and Corey Graves commentating, that would be one of the worst segments ever. But Jim Ross makes it redeemable because he's so great. But yeah, Kevin, that's my review. I'm giving it an A, 9, 9.5 out of 10 show phenomenal fantastic yeah I, I give it a 10 out of 10 for a number of reasons one so much talent i'm gonna count how many hall of famers are on this show all right so we got kurt angle and ray that's two rick flair is three chris jericho should be in there it's four edge and eddie six uh christian should be in there seven booker t is in there gold also be in there that's nine rvd 10 benoit would be in there under different circumstances uh we're not gonna count him undertaker 11 Shawn michaels triple h 13 Brock Lesnar and The Rock, they'll both be in there one day. 15 Hall of Famers on this show. And I'd count Heyman, Jim Ross, probably Lawler, yeah. even Cole and Taz. I mean, you, you throw those kind of external pieces in. Trish Stratus had that segment, so you chuck in, what, that six extra ones? Yeah. Bischoff and Stephanie were big parts backstage in the 20s now. Like, Yeah, it's absolutely nuts. Uh, the fact that it was only two hours and 42 minutes... That's, I mean, that's something that we would ding it for if it was like a four-hour show. So we're going to add that, you know. Um, the Undertaker test match is what it is. It was still a good match, you know. It, it was still good. It, for me, 10 out of 10, because it's easy to watch. The all-time great match. Then you had, what, four really good matches on the undercard. And then the main event was a spectacle from a star power, unlike anything that we really see nowadays. How often do you see a SummerSlam with a spectacle like this? Not very often, you know. Oh, yeah, Cena Rollins with the uh, the comedy the comedy host pal coming down with a chair. <laughs> you know, the uh, the late night show host or whatever. Whatever, I don't know. But let, let's do our John, John Stewart pal, John Stewart. No, um, yeah, no, you know, this show just excellent across the board. Really good, really good. Well, one of the easiest shows to watch. And as you say, if this happened in. 2019 the show would be four and a half hours so he gets bonus points for saving everyone's time and being all killer well near enough all killer outside of that um trish stratus howard finkel segment and pretty much no filler so yeah hats off wwe this is just them at their absolute best this is wwe in their apex three months after they got the f out and now they're wwe this is a great way to kick off the wwe entertainment era michael <laughs> i love it all right pal let's do our around the world segment yes where do you want to start today? Also, uh, for the listeners, just so you guys are aware, most of the time with these segments, we don't go into this with a plan. This is just a free-flying conversation, whatever topic comes spur at the moment. So most of our shows, generally, there's like either a run sheet or a plan. This, there's none. So this can go absolutely anywhere. Whatever you want to mention. Kevin, last time from memory, we talked about you babysitting dogs yeah. on 4th of July. Yeah. Which that was a wild story. Has anything happened since then regarding either... The, the dog or just generally for you or is no nah, nah, everything's pretty tame um everything's been pretty tame for me 
I, I got done dog sitting today. I'm back, pal. Back in, uh, in, in my hibernation, where I belong. Um, <laughs> yeah, nothing really like that going on. Good. All right, so Kevin, the shirt you're wearing, I own that one too, Immune yes. to Fear. And if you're listening on the audio platforms, Kevin, Kevin's rocking the Immune to Fear Jeff Hardy shirt. Yes. Shout out audio platforms now, thanks to you all. Um, quick question for you. This one is sort of wrestling related, but not, it's not a planned topic. What's your favorite like wrestling shirt or like your favorite one or two? You know, you've, you're, you're on a few. We've seen them on camera. What would be your favorite one or two? Mm. My all-time favorite shirt is the I'm Your Poppy. Eddie Guerrero shirt. I love that one. Um, I really, I really, really like this one too. I'd probably say this one. The, this Immune of Fear. I had the original one. I don't know what happened to it. I had the original one. I bought this one when they retroed it. It's not the same. It doesn't fit the same. It doesn't feel the same. But it still looks the same. So that that's all that matters to me. I, yeah, I would say this one. I, I love. I wore this one so much as a kid. The Eddie Guerrero, I'm Your Poppy shirt. Um, I really liked uh, the DX, the original Suck It one. Or the one that they had in 06 when they came back, when it was like the two of them like doing this or whatever. Uh, just like the, the cartoonish ones. Um, let me see if there's any others. Like what would be, oh, the NWO, classic NWO. I like the, the Wolfpack one too. Uh, the Austin 316. Uh, this, I like, oh, you know which one I really liked from Stone Cold was um, Arrive, Raise, Hell, and Leave. That one. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. What about you, pal? Well, also, for our listeners and people on YouTube especially, comment down below if you made it this far, your favorite shirt or shirts for, for wrestling. Um, for me, it has to be the Britt Baker black eye shirt, far and away. Um, the Britt Baker, the shirt where she's just, it's her face and there's a black eye. It has to be that one, pal. What, what an all-time classic wrestling shirt. <laughs> you, you can wear that anywhere. You won't get any looks, any judgment, pal. No. Um, that's probably my least favorite shirt of all time. Uh, my favorite shirt of all time is probably the AJ Styles sperm shirt from Tina Kidding. Not that one either. Uh, to answer it seriously, uh, I've always been a fan of the CM Punk Best in the World, the one where it's like you know, the, the white Best in the World shirt. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Latino Heat one. I think I've worn it on camera once or twice uh, where it's got like the roses and the fire. I think that's just dope. That, that shirt you can wear anywhere. Um, one I do like wearing at the moment, my sort of bit of wrestling merch for this year. Um, it's like a Cody Rhodes singlet. I wear this to the gym. It's like a singlet tank top. It's got the American Nightmare like logo. Disgusting. Disgusting. You, you're, you're, just, you're just praising Roman Reigns. Now you're a Cody Rhodes fan. What are you, pal? You, you can't be both. Listen to this Mr. Tribalism over here, Kevin. You, know, you, you, can't, like, you can't even enjoy both of them, pal. Pal, I'm a... Cody Rhodes fan and a Roman Reigns enjoyer. You're you're okay. a Roman Reigns hater two months ago. You were a Cody Rhodes lover. Then you were a Cody Rhodes hater two months before that. Now a Roman Reigns lover. I'm a fan of what's best for business, pal. Oh, now you're a Triple H fan. Now you're a 2013 Triple H fan? Ooh, best for business. Are you saying... Uh, no, we're not going to go there. This is Kevin. slanderous. This is, is slanderous. This is disgusting. You're praising Cody Rhodes yeah, to now. Me, it's, You're it's praising... Slanderous to me. Yeah, no, slanderous to me and our fans, pal. You're insulting our great fans by switching up your opinions left and right, pal. I will not stand for this, pal. Aren't you the one who said Nakamura would never have a song made about him, pal? Hey, I'm not, I'm not insulting people's opinions, pal. This is this is disturbing behavior. Now you're rocking Cody Rose t-shirts to the gym. That like you're a fan of his. Well, it's not t-shirts. It's a single. Disturbing. Anyway. Absolutely disturbing, pal. 
Wait, wait, wait. What are you gonna rock next? A bloodline tee? No, that's gonna be your next gym shirt, pal. Then you can come on here and pretend like you're a bloodline fan again. Oh my gosh. This is egregious slander. I hope the listeners can hear this and and say that Kevin's just trying to make me out to be the bad guy, pal. I'm the one who no, I'm not. I, I just watch and enjoy what I enjoy, pal. Disgusting. And that being said, Kevin. To answer the question once again, the other wrestling show I really do like, my boy, the wrestler I've always been oh, infatuated man. with, Roman Reigns, oh, Go away. Stop. Make Clearly, it stop. Make it stop. Greatness amongst you. Oh, the show where God. Roman Reigns is in the mafia suit. Oh. Paul Heyman's there. Pal, I have this is disturbing. Away, always been a Roman Reigns diehard supporter. Disturbing. Kevin, I made a documentary on him, did you? This is disturbing. I've made several videos on him. But I'm not claiming to be his biggest fan, pal. That's you. I don't I never claim to be a, a tribal chief enthusiast, pal. Tribal chief enjoyer, pal. Uh, same thing. <laughs> this is great content. No. Um No no, no this is absolutely vile. I, I am quite frankly, I'm appalled at, uh, at, at your actions here, pal. Just, I, I'm, address, I'm appalled. Can we address, on our last show, a few of the YouTube commenters, that's some of our diehard listeners, were addressing some of your takes. Yes, yes. And they were saying that right. the topic in the, in the title was, what is Elite, Elite Heat's worst take ever? Mm-hmm. And some of our diehard, a number of our diehard fans said, well, I don't know, but definitely something Kevin said. Kevin has there was, a bad We had time. one comment. So one person so said that. We had masses. The masses one, were commenting this. One person said that. It's one of my takes. I'd love to know what take uh, of mine. I mean, I've had, I've had some bad takes, pal. But, I mean, as we, as we determined last week, you had the absolute worst take. I mean, yeah, yeah. Austin Theory, main of any WrestleMania, pal. Oof. That would be worse than the Miz main of any WrestleMania. You said your take was worse. I take you it back. I take it back. No, you... Oh, my I gosh. I take it back. I'm going to get the footage up for next week. Your, you take, said that. your take is disgusting. You said... Disgusting. Yeah, the theory one's not great, but, like, Cena main eventing, my one aged worse. Now he's backtracking a week later, and you get at me yeah. for the Roman Reigns and Cody yeah. stuff. But you said one... Okay, wow. Your take was disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Kevin, Kevin, I take accountability on having the worst take between us ever. That Daniel Bryan should have retired. And he's proceeded to have like legendary main event after main event. That one's my worst take of all time. Uh, That video is still up on YouTube as well. So you can go check it out. Um, A 20 minute legitimate hit piece about why he needs to retire. Uh, But, you know, that being said, I'll own that take. I'll leave it up. um, Because that's just what I do, pal. I, I own my L's, pal. I'm the most accountable YouTuber. In the history of the wrestling community. Oh, give me a break. <laughs> give me a break, pal. <laughs> I hope everyone listening sees that backtrack from Kevin. One week ago, he said his Nakamura <laughs> will never get a, will never be featured in mainstream music tape. Hey, he I had I had to pile on. on. I just had to pile on, pal. You know, your take was no, no. The Nakamura take was bad. The, the, the music take was pretty bad. Um, you know, I, I still stand by that. It was awful, but. You know, uh, let, let, let's, uh, I don't know, is there really anything else left for us to say? Let's see. Yeah, not really. I think cause we were going to do a, a segment on Brock, but I think what we can do now, I mean, we've gone on a fair while this show. I think we save that for probably our Who's Mr. SummerSlam, Mount Rushmore kind of show. We Absolutely. Brock, especially since there's a big Brock and Cody match coming up at SummerSlam. So big time. we'll do plenty of Brock discussion. We'll discuss that great individual. 
that primal athlete, in that prime. natural athlete, Brock Lesnar. We'll discuss him uh, in later date, but yeah, no, what a show, Kevin. What a podcast. Some will say no too. Triple H being enhanced. Howard Fingal's wiener. What a show, pal. Pal, doesn't get any better than that. Well, what else can we say? Let's get out of here. We'll talk to you guys on the next one. Peace.